You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hey there, it's Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of the Art of Parenting podcast, back for a little series that I have put together. I've taken a break from interviewing my guest. Uh, don't worry, they will be back. I have quite a few lined up for you. But today and for the next several episodes, I wanted to focus on some fundamentals to really be able to have a roadmap for our parenting, for parenting in today's modern world. There are a few pillars that I just want to kind of dive in a little deeper for you. And so I invite you to listen to this episode and those coming along. And this is also everything that I teach and mentor in my parenting school. The parenting school will be opening up in early September of 2022. So if you haven't gotten on the wait list yet, please do so. The link is in the show notes. I think you will enjoy this course that is not only a course, but also uh, group mentoring where I really listen to your personal issues that are going on and really give you my professional feedback and so forth. And what I've also really appreciated in the parenting school is all of the support and encouragement that we get from other parents. Because as I've always said, parenting was never meant to be done alone. And I'm here for you, but also other parents that are going through the same things are here to support you. So do uh, sign up for the wait list so you can be the first to know when the doors officially open. And for now, let's enjoy this episode. Thank you and take good care. Hey there, Jeanne-Marie Pinel back for an episode, and today I wanted to focus on what makes your child unique. So in this episode, I hope that you will discover um, that your child thinks and sees the world quite differently than us. And I will go through some specifics also about how to really determine our child's uniqueness and what we can do to really nurture their immense, immense potential. So as some of you know, or 
if you don't know, uh, I really, my zone is really those first six years. So from birth through the first six years of life, which to me is really the foundation for the rest of our existence. You know, in a lot of self-development and self-improvement courses, we're always invited to go back to the pre-seven-year-old child that we were. So for me as a parent, this this, you know, first six years is really fundamental. So let's dive into some of the elements that are going to help you really nurture your unique child. So first one is really to learn to be a scientific observer. So what do I mean by that scientific observer? This is the the root for me. It's really the foundation for us to be able to really be there for our unique child. And so what I mean by this, and, and also I like to think of observation as an art, and actually um, it, it is an art that just needs to be learned and practiced. So I invite you first to be open, to accept another way. Our children have different ways of doing things than we do. We might, you know, show them how to do something and then they're just going to do it differently. And this, we just need to be okay with it and be open and accept it. So just know that there is more to each and every situation that, that you can see, that you can know. So you know, each of us has some different circumstances and history and all this, and we just need to really be in acceptance and understanding uh, before we we judge. And that's really, for me, the the definition of being a scientific observer is really to let go of any judgment, any preconceived ideas, or any need to compare right? Because I think we we often get into that game of comparing our children to other people's children. And especially today with social media, where we see, you know, other people's homes that are neat and clean and orderly, and their children are just impeccable and doing all these wonderful activities. And then we're like, "Uh, this isn't happening in my home. So I really invite you to let go of that because it is just a very, very, very thin sliver of what is actually going on uh, behind closed doors. So that's one. The other one about observation is really to have what I call a silent mind. And this is this is hard. You know, we we are constantly in a chatter of what needs to be done, what uh, what uh, chores, you know, has been left undone. Uh, why did that person look at me that way? Why did they say that? All, all this chatter, right? And also criticism and self judgment and so forth. So. To be a scientific observer, we really need to be present in the moment uh, and really to kind of leave all of that chatter outside and really to be able to just watch our child, observe our child in, you know, I'm not telling you to put this on your to-do list and you're going to have to sit down and and journal and all this, even though having a little journal to note things on is, is great or having a little notes app on your phone that you can note things that you, that you see. 
um, is is a good um, is a good thing. But for one, is when we are observing, try to put you know all of that um, chatter to the side. And then, as I said before, about being non-judgmental. So you know, interpretation, prejudice, stereotypes, uh, assumptions, all of that or personal preferences, we put those aside. And then really accept what is happening, just the facts of the reality of what is occurring. Because later you can use this information to make conclusions. Um, you know, in the classroom, we use observation also a lot to see what the children are interested in, what they're struggling with, what they've already mastered so that we know what to present to them next. And this is an invitation for you to do the same thing at home to be able to know what your child is interested in, what kind of activities you can maybe offer or, uh, you know, a new chore, a new recipe, things like that. And the other thing is to really be objective. So letting go of those feelings, those personal emotions, uh, because it's really about the details that are happening in front of you, right? It is really a privilege for us to observe a human being and, and just see their process. So just respect it and just really take note of the facts. Uh, see, also watch, but also listen. Listen to what they're saying to themselves, what they might be saying to others, uh, you know, the, the singing that they might go on, uh, the, the, the grunting or whatever that might be going on is really about just listening exactly what you hear. Uh, because it's true that we, you know, in, in, in fighting the temptation to, to always give a quality or a name to everything you see here, I'm really inviting you to observe the facts the, the, what is happening and then observe with love, right? Because we can only transform our way of seeing through love. So this, this kind of love means having an interest, a respect, uh, a responsibility, and just wanting to, to learn from what we are seeing. And then lastly, very important is to just practice this, practice this wherever you are, you know, whether it's at home on the playground, uh, when you're out at a restaurant, at a grocery store and everything. I mean, I know for me, I am always observing and I have to catch myself, you know, because we do tend to want to label something or, or, you know, put a judgment or, or something to it. And it takes practice to really just observe what we see for what it is. So that is really one of the first things that for me is extremely important to help us nurture the uniqueness in our child is really honing in on that skill of observation. The other thing that I wanted to talk about today is the basic human needs that really are the universal needs of all children before the age of six. Um, and this, you know, some, some will, will argue that there are other ones and such, but these are really, for me, the, the basic human needs uh, other than food and shelter, right? So first we talk about love and security. And this is to me, 
what we offer our child from the time they are born or and, and really from from conception is really that love that acceptance for who they are uh what they look like their gender and so forth and really accepting that you know we have a child to take care of and then really the security is what we give our children from the time they are born and this is a fundamental um, element to their proper development, to their healthy personality. And that security is really for them to have trust in the world, trust where they have been born in this time, place, and culture, that they feel safe, that they feel secure, that they know they will be taken care of. And this is, you know, fundamental, especially in those first few weeks, in those first few months when they are 100% dependent on us to survive. And so when we give them that sense of security, well, they have the strong uh, one of the, the personality pillars, I call it the, the two legs, right? We stand on two strong legs and uh, they are, one is trust in the world and later it will be trust in ourselves. And so that first element of security is trust in the world that you give them by taking good care of them, by responding to their needs. The next one is uh, the basic human need is movement. Movement, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about this um, later on, but really movement is is from conception, right? We, we, we move, they, our children move in utero, they are moving all the time, and we will move till our last breath. And this is a very important need to remember because I think today we have all of these you know, contraptions available to put our children in or to keep them still, or even, you know, unfortunately, I see way, way, way too many uh, young children being given a phone or an iPad when they're out and about or in a stroller. And that to me is really diminishing the movement. So movement is a basic human need and needs to be respected. The third one is language, and I'll go also into language a bit more, but language is a potential that lives in all of us, and it is our way of communicating with other humans, a way to share our ideas, to share our needs, uh, to share our love, and it is a basic human need. It is really that communication that we we need to to get along and to thrive uh, in our world. The next one is independence. And this one sometimes can be a little hard for parents, I have found, because sometimes independence can be misconstrued as um, you know, letting the child do whatever. But this is more about letting the child do things for themselves because we all thrive to want to do things for ourselves, to want to be able to figure things out. At least I know I do. And uh, I imagine that you do too. And children are no different. So being able to set up our home, and, and I will do a whole episode on that, but really setting up our home to really give and nurture 
that need for independence that our children have from, from the very beginning. The other human need is firm and kind limits. These are boundaries that we really have. I mean, we we have them in our society, right? We don't just get in a car and and have no no rules. We have to respect certain rules. And this is the same thing for our children. Children who have no limits, who are not given any boundaries, are truly overwhelmed because there are way, way too many decisions to be made. So it's about really giving kind limits because you respect this human being that is evolving and firm because you are respecting the the situation you're respecting yourself and and such and that there are I have quite a few episodes on firm and kind limits which is really the basis of positive discipline that I am trained in and you know do workshops on and everything so I will link those specific episodes um, in the show notes as well. But that is a basic human needs, firm and kind limits. The last one is order. And when I talk about order, I mean about the physical, the, the visual order, but also the routines that we have so that things are predictable for our children, right? This gives them that sense of security that they know what is going to happen at certain moments of the day, that certain routines or rituals or rhythm, um, however you want to call them, are are the same. This, this gives them that sense of, I know what's going to happen, right? Because it is, um, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I get really uncomfortable when I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, just the other day I had this, and this is may sound silly, but I had um, left my car in for maintenance and I had been given a loaner for 24 hours and I wasn't getting a call back. And it was making me really uncomfortable because it's like, well, what's going on? I have this car for 24 hours. Is my car ready? What's going on? And nobody was answering my calls. And it was making me uncomfortable, right? I just needed to know what the heck was going on. And so that's what I mean about order, especially for young children. And I'm sure that if you have a young child, you have noticed that when sometimes, you know, just because life happens, we need to change the routine that we've been doing. Um, they get pretty, pretty uneasy about it. And they will, you know, they will let us know by having a meltdown or a tantrum. And so for me there, and, and, you know, I'll talk more about this, but here it's always about giving a heads up, letting them know what is going on. And, you know, for, for the example of my car the other day, a simple call from the dealership would have been nice to just let me know that the person who was taking care of my car was out sick and, uh, you know, my car was going to be ready in how many hours and it was fine that I had the loaner, you know, whatever. But it's just letting people know ahead of time and especially our children need that sense of order. And I'll talk a little bit more about the physical order that we have in in our homes in in the episode that I will dedicate to the home but it's really this idea that the physical or the visual order that we see gives us a sense of internal order 
and especially for the young child who is making sense of their world, being able to classify and have a very simple, you know, minimal uh, visual order really helps them to have this sense of calm and just knowing where things go to be able to classify in their brain. So those are the six basic human needs. So as I said, I'll talk a little bit more also about language and just human communication. And this is really very important in that it is part of the child's uh, personality development, right? This is um, part of how they're going to be able to express themselves, how we listen to them, how we give them the opportunity to express themselves, how we we really acknowledge what they're feeling that um, we have, you know, the empathy and the compassion of what is going on, what they want to show us and, and share. And this to me is extremely important to model, you know, very good language uh, skills, communication skills of listening, like really listening. Because if you pay attention, sometimes we don't really listen. We're listening maybe partly, we're, you know, multitasking, or we're thinking about what our answer is going to be when here I invite you to really be present and listen without any intention to, you know, know what your answer is and really have this way of communicating where you are also um, listening to be able to share what you heard, right? Because that makes somebody really feel like, okay, this, what I'm saying is really important. But for language to develop, uh, there are certain things that need to happen. So first of all, the auditory organs need to be functioning properly and the brain processing centers need to be processing, uh, need to be functioning properly, excuse me, as well as the vocal organs and the brain processing centers. So know that when a child is born, this is still developing. Their auditory organs are still developing, which is why I encourage, you know, very low uh, sounds, nothing too loud and such, because the, the auditory organs are still developing. Then the other thing that is very, very important is that we give our children a rich language environment. So this means that we talk to them. <laughs> we share things with them. We talk to them. We And this is when I talk about, you know, a language environment. I am not talking about audio tapes or videos or things like that. This is really about human connection. This is really about eye contact about even, you know, uh, sign language and so forth. It's really about that human communication because that is something that is needed for language to develop. And then the last thing for language to develop is the desire to speak. And that desire comes from being listened to, right? From modeling that what you are saying is very important because we have to remember that language is only a potential. Language, if, if we do not share 
language with children, the language um, processing centers will not develop. So language, we have the potential, we have this immense potential in, in the brain for to it to develop. But it is our role as a parent, as a caregiver, to give that rich language environment to our children, to read to them, to sing to them, to tell stories, to, you know, give proper vocabulary to what they're pointing to and such. So that is, um, you know, a very important thing in the way our unique child develops. And, you know, all children will go through different stages of language development and more or less at the same time. And sometimes, you know, we need to pay attention to that because our child might have um, something that they are processing differently than another child. And that's what makes them unique. And that's, again, through the observation that we will discover that. So another uh, very important aspect to kind of child development, especially in the first few years is movement. As I said earlier, movement is life and it is really critical for our children's healthy development, right? We cannot um, expect a child to sit still <laughs> for any long periods of time because uh, it's it's actually pure torture for them. They, they're, they're meant to move. And so this is, you know, very important. And also to know what is the difference between fine and gross, uh, gross motor development. So gross motor development is really the, what we call the equilibrium, really from going from, you know, being a, an, an infant, a newborn of, you know, just kind of squirming around, not moving much. I mean, they, they move a lot, but to standing up on, on two legs. And that is really the evolution. And what is amazing is to think of that the first 12 months of life, a child is going to go through basically human evolution within 12 months. Because if you think of it, um, in the womb, they are like a fish, right? They are uh, living in liquid and, and you know, l- a little fish. When they are born, they're kind of this little reptilian uh, kind of squirming around and such. And then they're going to start moving and rolling and getting up on all fours. And that's kind of the, the mammalian um, evolution. And then they're going to be able to, to sit and start, their hands are going to start reaching. So they're not quite walking yet, but their hands are starting to reach. This is the primate, right? And then we have the human, which stands up on two feet and starts walking. And their hands are now free to work. So that is, to me, is just fascinating how there is this huge evolution within just 12 months. And to me, that just fascinating um, that this can all happen just naturally. And it is up to us to really nurture and encourage this development. And, and I will talk more about this in my episode about the home, but it's really about creating a space where they have that freedom of movement. Because remember, it is a basic human need. So, so important to be able to let them move. And then lastly, I just wanted to touch on um, 
kind of personality development. And I'll just talk about kind of some basic temperaments that make our children unique. And that is really, um, there are eight kind of different temperaments. One of it is the activity level, right? Is, is how active is your child? Um, you know, are they, are, are they always on the go wanting to do things or are they pretty chill and, and, you know, not, not needing so much activity? Very different, right? And again, this is through observation that we will discover this. Then there's this sense of regularity. So, are they um, like super punctual or do they have really, you know, uh, they poop and pee at the same time or kind of wake up at the same time? Like there are some children that are like clockwork and others that are not. So again, you know, there's a wide range. And to me, it's always good to, to just know and, and understand your, your child. Um, are they approachable or withdrawn in situations, right? Uh, because sometimes we tell, we say, we label children as shy or outgoing, but that's just part of their personality. So again, you know, this isn't, there is no good or bad and no need to, to label it. It's just noticing what your child um, is is in, in how they are reacting in situations. Also, there is a level of sensitivity, right? Some children are going to be um, empath more, very, very, you know, sensitive to situations. Um, and that, again, is is who they are and, and how they have come to us, right? Because, and in, in for us, it is really about again, nurturing that uniqueness, not to make it good or bad or, or, you know, label them, oh, you're so sensitive or too dramatic or so forth. No, it's just accepting what sensitivity level they have. There's also in temperaments, there's also a quality of mood, right? Which is kind of children who are always, you know, happy-go-lucky, others who can be sullen and, and kind of, you know, sometimes not in such a good mood, or even uh, you'll see it. And I know for me, um, it's it was evident in, in my siblings, but also in my two children is um, how they wake up in the morning, right? There's some that will wake up like easy as, as, uh, easily with a smile and just ready to go. And some that really need some time to come out of their sleep and are not always in a good mood and uh, just need time to, to wake up. And again, no labels, just noticing. Uh, also their intensity, right? Their intensity in how they go about certain projects or certain activities. Some can be, you know, very maybe competitive and, and want to be super intense and others are, are pretty chill and, and it doesn't really matter. They're just enjoying. So again, um, just a quality to be paying attention to. Also, there's uh, distractibility. And that is, and this is, <laughs> this is before, you know, social media and distractibility. But uh, this is more about a child who is able to focus for a really long time. 
to one who who doesn't focus as as longer a time. And again, there's no you know good or bad. It's just that is just the way it is. And then the last one is the persistence and attention span. So that kind of goes with the other ones. But again, it's that need to really you know persevere or or, you know, some children will persevere and, and, and not give up and some will kind of let it go and, and move on to the next thing. So again, this is just a way for us to observe so that we can nurture and maybe help them improve some of those qualities and such, especially if we see that they are struggling. So hopefully this was helpful. This is, as I mentioned in my introduction, um, one of a series where I am really diving deeper into the different pillars of, uh, or the tools to give you to really parent on your own terms. So this was about uh, the child, and the next one will be part two of what makes your child unique. So until next time, enjoy and please remember to subscribe to The Art of Parenting if you haven't already and look out for the parenting school that will be opening soon. Take good care. Bye-bye for now. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone. And you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony, and find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally. 
plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones and do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.